0: This podcast is about a very recent ruling of the European Court of Justice in a case brought uh, by the Republic of Austria against the European Commission, Case C-59418P of the 29th of September 2020. Now, why is this uh, an important judgment for the energy sector? Well, that's an easy question to answer because this is the first case where the European courts and uh, first the General Court, now the Senior Court, the Court of Justice, have been asked to clarify whether the construction of a nuclear plant can benefit from state aid, which has been approved by the European Commission pursuant to the state aid rules under the TFEU, that's the Treaty on the Functioning of the European Union. Importantly, for the nuclear sector in Europe, we have another treaty uh, signed at the same time as the original EEC Treaty, and that is the Euratom Treaty. And that treaty promotes the development of nuclear power. And the relationship between these two treaties especially when it comes to state aid, has been much debated in the literature. And so it was very important to have a clear ruling from the Court of Justice on how these two treaties interrelate. So important is the case that the court constituted itself as a grand chamber, so all the judges are, and, uh, were present um, to give their ruling on this case. So it's an extremely important case, and as I mentioned, the fact that it's a grand chamber ruling confirms that. Just because it confirms that aid measures for the construction of a nuclear power plant have to be authorised under the state aid rules that we have in the general treaty, that's the Treaty on the Functioning of the European Union. These state aid rules apply to all sectors, Uh, so right across the energy sector. And we now know, thanks to this ruling, that they also apply to nuclear plant. The reason that it was argued that they might not apply was because the Euratom Treaty has no specific rules on state aid. And because that treaty encourages generally the construction of nuclear plant, it was assumed by some that the decisions by member states to build nuclear plant, to build new um, plant or expand existing plant, would somehow automatically be compatible with the treaty itself, with that Euratom treaty, and would not need further clarification under the EU treaty. Why is this then important? It means that in the future all nuclear Plant construction or plans to expand nuclear plant construction will have to be notified to the European Commission for clearance under Article 107 of the Treaty on the Functioning of the EU. And the Commission will then have to decide whether or not that support is state aid and if so, whether it is compatible. Now, this ruling is also important in terms of how the rules on compatibility are applied. But one thing to remember when it comes to the nuclear sector is that although we have commission guidelines on energy and environmental aid dating back to 2014 and the latest version, these guidelines do not apply to the nuclear sector. They apply to all other sectors, But not to nuclear. And the reason they do not apply to nuclear was, in part at least, because when these rules were being developed and adopted, a number of member states objected to the idea that nuclear power should be included because it would give a sign that, or a signal that, aid to nuclear power was something that should be supported in the European Union and uh, many member states do in fact oppose the construction of nuclear power. Two member states are particularly um, concerned about nuclear power construction by their neighbours. That's Austria and Luxembourg and it was Austria that brought this case against the Commission decision back in 2013 to allow aid to Hinkley Point. That um, aid was finally approved in October 2014 and immediately uh, the Republic of Austria, supported by Luxembourg, the Grand Duchy of Luxembourg, um, appealed that decision. Now what was very unusual um, about this appeal um, is that these are two member states appealing against a positive decision by the Commission to grant aid by another member state, so in this case the UK. So this made it a very um, difficult case for the courts in the sense that they could not try to to wriggle out of what was a fairly controversial uh, decision and would result, no doubt, in a controversial ruling. By denying standing. In fact, the courts had already denied standing uh, to some competitors who had tried to challenge the decision, German companies um, active in the electricity sector, and also to NGOs such as Greenpeace. They were all ruled not to have standing. But the treaty provides that member states will have automatic standing. They do not have to show that they have some special interest in the case at hand. So there was no hurdle for um, Austria to cross to bring the case. Uh, When um, Austria went to the General Court, it lost, and um, it appealed then to the Court of Justice, and it was supported by Luxembourg. On the other hand, the UK intervened, to support the Commission, and the UK in turn was also joined uh, by the Czech Republic, the French Republic, Hungary, the Republic of Poland, the Slovak Republic also joined in. And these parties all contended that the court should dismiss the appeal brought by Austria. Now, following the uh, General Court's uh, decision to uphold The Commission decision, the case was then appealed, as I mentioned, and in the first step, the Advocate General reviewed the pleas brought by Austria in the light of the previous case law on energy, and in particular, uh, the impact of Article 194 of the Treaty on the Functioning of the European Union, that's the Energy Article. And also uh, the Advocate General looked very closely at the provisions of the Euratom Treaty. He concluded that the Euratom Treaty precluded the application of the state aid rules in any meaningful way. And his opinion would have really, I think, caused quite um, a revolution in the application of state aid rules to the energy sector. However, in most respects, the court did not follow uh, the Advocate General and chose a rather delicate line between supporting nuclear power as provided under the Euratom Treaty and ensuring that the Commission was able to apply the the state aid rules in the Treaty on the Functioning of the European Union in a meaningful way. And when we look at... um, the, the way the court handles the various pleas brought by the Republic of Austria, it's evident that the court is picking a very careful path through uh, the different arguments brought uh, by Austria and allowing the Commission a considerable amount of discretion to try to balance uh, the different interests of the member states and the type of energy mix that they these member states wish To go for. So it's an interesting case in that respect because you see the court um, trying to find a careful balance then between the very different interests of the member states. You also see the court trying to balance the environmental objectives enshrined in the treaty with the allegations that nuclear power does not provide a positive contribution to the achievement of those particular objectives. That on the contrary, as Austria argued, the development of nuclear power, albeit promoted under the Euratom Treaty, can raise serious environmental issues, which would mean that the Treaty on the Functioning of the European Union should be an instrument to, if you like, modernize. That was something that was attempted by um, the drafters of the so-called Constitutional Treaty when uh, there were attempts made uh, back in the early 2000s to reform the treaties, but that failed. So the Euratom Treaty remains in place, as indeed the Advocate General, in this case, Uh, was very careful to stress. So, in his view, as long as that treaty remained um, in force, uh, its provisions should be honoured. And the court also accepts that, but as I have mentioned, it takes great care to try to balance out the objectives of the two different treaties. And so, Austria was... Partially successful in the third part of its first plea, uh, which was that um, the court, the general court, had wrongly rejected Austria's argument that the basic environmental principles, the precautionary principle, the polluter pays principle, and the principle um, of sustainability precluded the grant of state aid for the construction or operation of a nuclear plant. The court held that such an interpretation of these principles um, would be inconsistent with the Euratom Treaty, which, as I mentioned, is about promoting nuclear power. And so this was where you could say there was a, a fundamental clash of treaties. And luckily for Austria, here they did score a partial win because the court rules that the Euratom Treaty cannot preclude the application to the nuclear sector of the European rules on the environment. So, Austria was right to claim that the Euratom Treaty could not oust the principles of environmental protection uh, that are enshrined in the EU Treaty. However, that proves to be something of a pyrrhic victory for the Austrian Republic because the court says, okay, the general court was wrong. It should have made sure that these principles were taken into full account. But, however, unfortunately for Austria, that would not be a sufficient error in law to have the ruling set aside. That is because there were other aspects of the ruling by the General Court that would not be um, set aside in this appeal. And so um, the General Court had made a mistake, but that mistake was not fatal. And in particular, in reaching that conclusion, the Court of Justice recalls that under Article 1941, of the General Treaty, the Treaty on the Functioning of the EU, the member states can pursue security of supply objectives, and security of supply is one of the fundamental objectives of EU policy as well. And further, the second subparagraph of Article 1942 provides that member states are, of course, entitled to choose their own energy mix, so the that means that um, these environmental principles important as they may be cannot be invoked to preclude the choice by one member state for nuclear energy and therefore in weighing up these competing principles, if you like, of security of supply, the right to choose your energy mix as a member state, and the overarching EU environmental principles, it's sufficient that the General Court should identify that these principles apply, and if they fail to do so, has committed an error of law. But that, as I've mentioned, is not fatal. Um, to its overall findings to uphold the Commission decision. So in that respect, um, although the Court of Justice partially upholds this argument by by Austria, they do, they do not rule that it will have any real effect. So perhaps you could say, well, this is um, what uh, the English... Prime Minister Boris Johnson calls a a cakeist argument. You can have your cake and eat it. So the Court of Justice is saying in effect you can have the environmental principles and you can have nuclear power. The one doesn't preclude the other. Now, that is perhaps not something that everyone will agree with and let's see if there will be further um, attempts to challenge the way the court has interpreted and applied these principles um, in this Austrian case. The Republic of Austria's second plea was more focused on the economics of the Commission's decision. Uh, Austria argued that the Commission had failed to identify the relevant market sufficiently, clearly to take a decision Um, and that furthermore they had not properly identified what the market failure was that would generate then the requirement to provide state support. However, these two arguments were dismissed by uh, the Court of Justice, um, partly because it said that in fact the General Court had looked at relevant market in sufficient detail, as is well known in um, state aid law, the identification of the relevant market is not a complex economic exer- exercise. The General Court had assumed when it came um, to assessing whether or not the state aid in the UK to the nuclear sector would have an effect um, on trade or could Cause a distortion of competition, the court had, the general court had checked to see whether that would have been the case or not. And so, in the eyes of the Court of Justice, and so what the court is saying is that, what the court is saying in effect is that if we look at Article 107, 3, little c, um, the Commission has to first of all determine whether the aid facilitates the development of an economic activity. But in doing that, it doesn't have to identify the relevant product market within which the activity has to be identified. It becomes relevant, however, to identify that market when the Commission examines the second treaty condition, which is whether the planned aid could adversely affect trading conditions to an extent, contrary to the common interest. So this is a very formal interpretation of uh, the article. Um, The court looks at the actual wording and it doesn't see the concepts of market failure or relevant market addressed there. And to some extent, then, it follows the Advocate General by by stipulating that these rules do not require the Commission to be very strict in its economic analysis. It therefore follows that the argument raised by Austria that the Commission and, on appeal, the General Court had not properly established the existence of a, of a market failure for which state aid would be necessary to address, that that failure was again not problematic because the absence of such a failure does not mean that the conditions laid down in the treaty are not satisfied. So again the court follows the rather literal interpretation given to this article also by its Advocate General in this case. The other remaining pleas brought by Austria, were similarly dismissed, again, on a rather literal application of the treaty rules. So the third plea related to the proportionality of the aid measures and to what extent nuclear energy was really necessary to meet security of supply needs. Why could the United Kingdom not, for example have given the equivalent amount of aid to the promotion of renewable energy, which would have done much less damage to the wider environment. And here the court again takes a careful position and it finds that the general court had applied the proportionality test correctly. Um, it only had to do so in the light of the UK's decision to meet its electricity supply needs in the way it chose and um, in accordance with the treaty rules on the energy mix so it wasn't required to conduct a wider assessment of the impact of the measures um, on the energy sector in the EU in general so the commission was correct to only look at the, the plant aid in the light of the information available to it at the time and it was not required to look at whether or not a positive decision for the UK might have encouraged other member states um, to also aid nuclear causing cumulative impacts um, in the future. That was um, apparently in the eyes of the court something that went too far and so it held that the general court was only required to look at the proportionality of the measures uh, in the light of the possible distortions of competition and the adverse effects of trade caused by the measures and not on their impact on the environment more generally. So, again, a very careful and cautious approach. The fourth plea put forward by Austria related to the alleged support that the United Kingdom would confer on the operator of the nuclear plant in the form of what is known as operating aid. Now, in general, operating aid is is forbidden because you are not giving the recipient of that aid any incentive to change its behavior, and therefore um, if the recipient is mer- merely just covering its its daily and ongoing operational costs, then the aid cannot then um, be um, in the common interest. That's the usual reasoning. Um, however, the court here finds that um, it was not required to characterize these measures formally as either operating aid, uh, which, as I say, is, is usually not allowed, um, or as investment aid, aid for something new and different, which can be allowed, subject of course to certain conditions. Um, and here um, the court says, well the court, the general court didn't have to opt for one label as opposed to the other. It was sufficient that it could identify from the commission decision that the the measure in question would support the building of new plant without categorising it either way. So again, a disappointment for Austria um, and that that plea was also rejected. Now the final plea um, that the court looks at um, relates to a guarantee that the United Kingdom gave um, to those who would be lending money uh, to EDF and the builders of Hinkley Point. Uh, Again, um, the Austrian government claimed that the commission had failed to apply its own guidelines, these being guidelines on guarantees, and that it was not possible from um, the commission's decision or from the general court's assessment of that decision for um, another member state to see that these guidelines had been properly applied. However, that final plea um, was thrown out again for rather formal reasons, more precisely because um, the court considered that the appellant, Austria, had not raised any new legal arguments uh, that had not already been. So no new arguments were raised And therefore, the court could not merely re examine pleas that had already been brought before the general court. So, that was another plea that bit the dust. So, all in all, a disappointing ruling for Austria, as well as for those who had perhaps hoped uh, that the court would grasp the chance of taking a closer look at the Euratom Treaty and. Considering how to modernise it in the light of the later treaty on the functioning of the EU. So to conclude, what we can I think say is that the court decided that a member state's choice, and of course at the at the relevant time, the UK was a member state. His choice to opt for nuclear energy as part of his energy mix is not per se in conflict with the objectives and principles of EU environmental law. And we can also, I think, conclude that as a result of this ruling, member states who plan to grant state aid in whatever form for existing or new nuclear plants, whether for their construction or operation, will have to notify and obtain clearance from the European Commission in accordance with the the Treaty State Aid Rules. And thirdly and finally, um, when the Commission makes that assessment, it will have to look at the amount of aid, the nature and the structure of the aid package. And we know now that it must also assess whether that aid complies with the broad EU principles that have been discussed in this case on polluter pays precautionary principle, the sustainability principles, even although perhaps those principles need not be rigorously um, assessed in the weighing up of the negative and the positive effects of the project in question. So that means that the grant of state aid by member state is unlikely to be precluded uh, by the application of European environmental law principles alone. Something else would have to be, um, some other arguments would have to be made uh, by those opposing such a project in order to to convince the Commission that the aid should be deemed incompatible with Article 107.3c of the treaty. So it's not a great step forward for environmentalists, but perhaps, nevertheless, it opens a little bit of light for the application of the EU environmental principles in the future. (music)